What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Chris Merrill. We are back with another episode of New York City Meets Bama with Miss Katerina. <laughs> oh, we are back at it again. And what all did you do this week? Oh, this week has been flying by. It literally doesn't feel like tomorrow's Friday. Yeah, that is kind of wild. We've been in the midst of a launch of a new product, fighting with CRMs, websites. Uh, partner with multiple people, family members, outsiders, people overseas. Like it's been constant to get this thing rolled out and we've got a deadline set of October 9th. So we will see what we launch whenever it comes around, but either way, we're going to push forward and get it done. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we got a boat. Oh yeah, we got a It's a big boat, you could say. It's considered a yacht. I'm not going to brag. It's got two bedrooms, two baths. It's kind of cool. But it's going to be a big marketing piece. I had a guy tell me a story one time because we were talking about discussing the names of the yacht or, you know, the boat. And he was telling me, don't name it something, you know, so much sentimental. He said, this is a, a marketing piece for you. This is a business tool. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you name it something that'll draw attraction to what you do in a questionable way. I was like, what does that entail? And he was saying, you know, like his was named like Miss Toby's Wagon. And I didn't understand that, but it was a quotation that goes to a oil line that he was building overseas so people would ask him that and that was some sort of trail that they used to get there and he'd go into the whole details of what he does and that's how he was getting capital for his investments and that boat was a marketing tool at that point so it's pretty neat yeah so i'm glad that you remember that that's actually pretty smart we can name it what we're gonna launch anyway with normal life we are turning a random room in our house into my office. And our friends helped us with the ceiling. Literally so much dust. I almost wanted to murder all of them, but you it was horrible. to turn off your HVAC or your central air unit whenever creating that much dust. It was horrible. I was so upset. I've been cleaning every day the same thing because there's dust everywhere. It's just dust. And more dust keeps getting created but we're almost done because my friend lizzie shout out to lizzie she came over yesterday (laughs) and literally this morning we've been painting and i guess sanding the walls and all that good stuff but we are almost done so then i can finally have my dream office oh yeah it's almost there it's almost there i'm gonna stay at her actual office but she wants a home office too again so i like to just roll out of bed and go to work i have seen my walking pad You've you've had a laptop in bed more than anyone I know. Like I can't. I don't I know. I went just to think, college. I ended up watching Suits. I went to college. College. You literally have a cheap desk that they give you that is very uncomfortable, and then you just end up doing work in your bed. You eat in your bed. You work in your bed. Socialize in your bed. So. Oh. So socialize in your bed. <laughs> and other things. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, on other news, we've got two closings scheduled for today after this podcast. So, yeah, that's another good day. So we're moving along. Got a refinance coming through. That's it. I think you're caught up. For oh, the my oh, parents no. are coming dun, dun, dun. in a couple of days. Actually, when this launches, they would have already left. So oh. they're coming this So that week. means you get to hear all the stories mm-hmm. next episode. Stay tuned. So just to give you a rundown, it's these uh, individuals, her family, first time in Alabama. They've never seen the muddy water down here. They're from Connecticut, so it's a little different ball game. They've never uh, hung out this far south for this long, so we'll see if we get them a 
some education or, or we scare them off, one of the two. But maybe we'll have some bloopers to attach to the next episode to show you some of the stuff that we uh, got them involved in. That's going to be funny. <laughs> My mom's going to be like, okay, I'm ready to leave. <laughs> That's but it. Anyway, are you excited for our guest today? We, we finally have a guest again. Oh. Everyone got sick of hearing our voices. That's not true. No, I think they're ready for more. But anyways, we do have two amazing guests coming on here inside just a minute. So we will be excited to introduce them and let them expel some knowledge to us because they are both powerful individuals in their career field. And uh, for all of us on this entrepreneurial journey, they have some powerful features to add to our tool belt. So let's do it. We all know being an entrepreneur is hard. It comes with lots of mental challenges and confidence struggles. For me, I dealt with imposter syndrome and found that talking to someone has helped me find myself and strengthen my confidence. It can be difficult to navigate it on your own. Now, because of professional therapists, you don't have to. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. No matter where you are, you can talk to a professional therapist that fits your unique needs and an affordable cost. Just fill out a few questions and BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in just days. Put yourself first and use BetterHelp services today and you will receive 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. Use the link in the description below this show. You deserve to be happy too. Use the link betterhelp.com slash NYC meets Bama. Again, betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash NYC meets Bama. BetterHelp wants all of you to be as successful as possible and help you reach your fullest potential. Connect with the therapist today. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are back. We have two special guests here, Doug and Heidi. Both these individuals I've met a few times, and each time I get to learn something new about myself or about my uh, entrepreneurial journey. So I hope they get to teach you guys some things as well. Doug, I don't, I don't know what to call what you do or did. I've seen you as a rock star, as a singer. You wear the best suits, the custom suits I've seen anybody wear. Heidi, the few times I spent with you, I had to relearn everything about myself and my thoughts. So it's uh, a, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's been interesting. I hope everybody gets to live the same journey that I've gotten to be around with you guys. Mm-hmm. It's great Thank to see you, so you guys. Awesome to see you guys. You as well. So what is your current occupation? I, I know uh, the viewers have no idea. The listeners don't know what you do yet. So can you catch us up? Doug, you want to go first? Well, we do stuff together and separately. So as you shared earlier, the high level started out as a musician and realized I was helping people kind of lose themselves a bit. And uh, then the peak of my career is when Napster came out. So I had to reinvent myself for those of you who... Uh, well, do your research to figure out what Napster is, but had to reinvent myself and got deep into personal development. And so really applied what I learned with Tony Robbins. And I was already a trained or a master practitioner of NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. So I was coaching and working with bands. And then as I was doing that, Heidi and I got to be speaking more often. And uh, while on the road with Tony, we got together and uh, one of the things we wanted to do or a vision I had was to create a company that would help people get their act together in all areas of life. And Heidi was, when I reached out to her, I thought she'd be the relationship expert. And so I'm sharing this with the pretense to give you kind of a, a whole view and 
we share more and Heidi will dive a lot deeper into, you know, where we've been going, but we ended up leaving the personal development space and brought it to the drug and alcohol treatment space where we created and ran the family program. We worked with all the clients and the families and that kind of set us on a, a path of deep healing and helping people really find a way to move from uh, addictions of all kinds to a level of sobriety that made a life worth being sober for. And then with that, I'll let Heidi dive in even deeper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I help people that are, have complicated relationships. You know, I mean, people like, you know, a lot of us can get really great business advice and like follow a recipe and be successful. And we're like, oh my God, yeah, that works. Here's step one, step two, step three. You know, making money is easy. I don't know. I say that and people are like, really? But it is, you know, follow the formula. Success is easy. But the one area that most people suffer is in the area of their personal and intimate relationships. And I find that sometimes these people are super successful, but they end up with the most broken people. And they're in these relationships with people that are hurting, they're struggling, their partners are addicted or narcissistic, and they're trying to like, fix them. You know, I work with a lot of heroes, a lot of fixers, a lot of people that are, so they're so frustrated. You know, they have everything else, but they just don't have that reciprocal true love. They always dreamed they would have, they have a heartache instead or anxiety or confusion. And so I want to help people rectify that so that they can really just have what they're meant to have, which is a beautiful relationship, a loving relationship, a mutually beneficial firing on all cylinders. Makes yeah. perfect sense. But I like to deal with complexity. I like the complexity. I like things to be difficult. Oh, yeah. Well, then, you know, we, we can help. We can help. <laughs> <laughs> that is phenomenal. Wow. Okay. So what made you to target or sort of emphasize that that was the group of people that you're going to help inside the substance abuse area? Well, I started off as a regular old relationship coach. I was like, you know, slinging the same information everybody else was slinging, you know, like how to catch them and keep them, masculine and feminine energy, you know, how to be, you know, all those kinds of normal relationship tips. But I was finding that the people that really needed the biggest help, like it wasn't cookie cutter advice that was going to help them. These are people that grew up in addicted households or grew up with absent parents or grew up with people that hurt them or grew up with addiction in their dynamic. And those people don't need regular old dating tips. They need to learn about love and what love really looks like. They got confused, you know, in their upbringing that love is painful, love is hard, life, love hurts. And they have all these messages about it that, that really constrict their ability to have a normal, healthy, functioning relationship. So what I saw is the gap. I'm like, who's helping these people? There is help for addicts and alcoholics, but there's no help for the people that really love them. Okay. Or the people who grew up with them. There's Al-Anon, which is like a support group run by other people, which is nothing wrong with that. But there's no strategic advice about the codependency aspect and how growing up in addiction and dysfunction really affects you. And by the way, it doesn't have to be that. It could be having a sick parent. It could be having a sick sibling. Anything where you feel like you're lost in the mix and you suffer as a result of that. Wow. Okay. So, so it sounds like a lot of what we're looking at is some form of codependency. Like it's either two drugs and alcohol or what, what, what are those for, Heidi? I'm getting serious. <laughs> yeah. So for the people that are listening, she just put glasses on. <laughs> All right. So, but with that codependency, what are the characteristics of someone and, and how do you help transition them away, whether they're addicted to or 
codependent on a substance or a person or whatever it is, because I don't know of when codependency is a good thing in your life. Yeah, it's it's not. So I think the best way to explain it is when you grow up in a dysfunctional house, you grow up and you survey the land and you look around and you say, who do I need to be in order to be okay in this family? All right, how am I going to survive this? And we take on a mask, we take on a personality, and I've come up with eight different personality patterns that people take on. It's like a brave face. It's like, this is the pattern I run. And then once you figure out what pattern you've been running, you can also see that certain patterns attract certain other patterns. So codependencies attract codependence, right? We attract each other. And some of the patterns are a fixer pattern, for example. I grew up in a dysfunctional household. In order for me to feel okay in that household, I got to take charge. I got to be in control. I become the hero, the young adult. I run to the rescue. And then I grow up with that mentality and I get into relationships. And who do I look for? Broken people. And I, I attract victims and victims need rescued. So the fixers and the victims hook up, right? And they're in this codependent relationship and they, they don't know what, they, you know, and then controllers and pleasers hook up. And then, you know, so there's a bunch, there's eight different patterns that people enact. And once you understand that, you can understand everything about how you do relationships. Wow. Wow, that is awesome. That is, uh, I remember you actually running through, I guess that was the eight patterns that we went through last time we were together. And it was about as impactful as the statement you just made. I was like, man, how does she know me so well? Wait, can you <laughs> go deeper into the eight for the people that don't know what you're talking about? Because I personally am very interested in hearing all eight. Okay. The fixer is the first pattern and the fixer we've talked about and they hook up with the, now, by the way, there are five criteria for each pattern. And if, if you really want this, you can take a test over on my site and find out what pattern you are today. Okay. Cause we, oh, I created a test. I, I mean, I partnered with some people to create a test. Okay. Yeah. It'll be in the show notes. Okay. Perfect. The test will be there. So another pattern that people enact is a withholder pattern. You grow up in a household where you're a really sensitive person, but you learn early on that your sensitivity is a liability. And so you learn how to protect yourself from being overly vulnerable. Vulnerability is a weakness for you. You don't know how to, you have vulnerability hangovers. When you share too much about yourself, the next day you'll do something to create some conflict so that you can create some space of safety again. You know, your withholders are very binge restrict. They're all in or all out. A lot of withholders have a binge drinking or some kind of issue this way because it's like I'm all or nothing. It's very black or white. And the withholders attract clingers, people that are all in all the time, no matter what. And they don't realize what they're doing is they're attracting each other because a withholder has a clinger. They, they don't have to like risk being rejected because a clinger is going to stay no matter what. Their biggest fear is abandonment. And a clinger's biggest fear is rejection. And the withholder, when they meet them, they think they're all in love, but all of a sudden they start to pull back and it, it triggers their, their trauma. And that's what a trauma bond is. Trauma bond is a feeling that I grew up with on a consistent basis that I recreate in my partnerships. Abandonment, rejection, neglect. And I just keep recreating it over and over again until I get the message that I need to heal that. So the patterns are actually almost addictions to the behavior. Addictions to the state, yeah. to the emotional state. I run this pattern so I can feel the way I don't want to feel, but I'm addicted to that feeling and I don't even know it. That's a trauma bond. Another patterns are controllers. 
who have to be in charge of freaking everything all the time. It's their way of the highway. They are uptight. They are freaking all over you. It's just, it's that's my way of the highway. They're hyper vigilant. They're always on the lookout for what could go wrong. They're five steps ahead of everybody else. And they attract pleasers. People that are like, yep, whatever you want. But the pleaser gets really tired of that control. And then the controller gets tired of being in charge all the time. And they're like, why don't you just step up? And they want the pleaser, like, I don't care what you want. Tell me what you want to do, not what I want you to do. And the pleaser will say something like, that's the wrong idea. You need to think how I think, you know? So they're constantly in struggle with each other. Yeah. So with these, once you expose to somebody like, hey, this is, you know, a series of events that's caused you to have these emotional traumas or trauma bonds, how do you help them overcome that? Like, just like you expose that to me, like you've definitely said things that resonate with me. And I know I've had a lot of action steps already to move myself forward, but how do you help every person to take steps to overcome that, to realize, hey, you have this instant uh, codependency that you latch onto, and these are your traits, and you need to move away from that, or at least be aware of it to move forward? So I think you just hit the nail on the head there. So two things. Number one, most survivors who grew up really tough with a lot of stuff happening don't even know how traumatized they were. Why? They're a survivor. They're an overcomer, right? And they're, they love personal development. They love to like the bandaid on the flesh wound. They just want to like, you know, feel better and don't go there. So the first thing is, hey, can we go back and look at what happened and see how that might have affected you? And that's scary to a lot of people. So it's just this awareness like, oh, I'm not a victim. I don't want to look at how my, you know, how I was affected by stuff. But because we're unwilling to do that, we keep enacting it out. So awareness is the first key. What if it were true that what you went through in your life affected you? And especially it affects you in your intimate relationships. What if that's true? And step two is a step-by-step -step system to break free. So I, there wasn't anything when I was researching this, you know, when I first started my own healing journey, that's why I created my processes and my programs to help people break free from this codependency chains. So it's a system. You got to walk people through. It's not like, you know, oh, it's getting positive affirmations and just feel better and just realize that you're cool and awesome. No, you got to work. You got to go through a process. People like me. Yeah. So I walk people through, I've created the attachment personality patterns, but then I also created a seven step process called the rapid detachment method, which helps you understand where these patterns were laid and how to reclaim your personal power and undo the damage that's been done. So I have a seven step process that I take people through. Wow. That is phenomenal. And Doug, I, I'm about to give you a kind of a hard task, or at least it'd be hard for me to relay. That's why I'm giving it to you. But is there any way to coincide these patterns that Heidi has recognized to the dispersonality types? Like, obviously, you're talking about two separate entities, but it, people, if they've learned disc, they have some traits to base off of. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so there is an element of overlap for sure. Like, I mean, you just hear the word controller. What would you... D, baby. <laughs> yeah, you come right up, right? So the certain, the, each pattern will have attributes of that. And we actually haven't done that. Maybe interesting thing to actually do the scale and, and kind of go show where those are showing up because like the pleaser would probably be more on the I spectrum, right? Because they just want to have fun and all that. So performer, performer. Pre pre pretender would yeah. be on the I because yeah. it's all about optics. Yeah, so yeah. some of our viewers, they've heard my representation of DISC, but you want to give them a quick overview because you, you seem to have a deeper understanding probably than I do. Sure. So I'll share it through archetypes. 
So you guys familiar with the Big Bang Theory? Oh, yeah. Okay, so one of the, the great things about humor and satire is they take something that's real and they blow it up to the ridiculous, and then that's what's funny. So one of the, the D stands for dominance, which is the more you know domineering, more controlling, they're quick to the point, they could be very short and impatient and really have a, a short fuse. Bernadette is a high D. So the, what's so funny is she's like, what, three and a half feet tall, she's got that little mousy voice, but what happens when things aren't going the way she wants? She just, you know, like she just blows up and becomes larger than life, takes control of everything. So she's a, a great example of that archetype of the, the D personality. Then there's the I, which is the sense uh, for influential or inspiring. They're the people who are going to the party. They're the people with the hat, the lampshade hat. They're the ones who are, you know, when they're at a networking event, they're inviting everybody over. That would be Penny. Penny is a more expressive high I, just having fun, being, you know, light and goofy. And, and they all have. Uh, we're talking about the TV show, The Big Bang Theory, not the scientific evidence. Of the yes, Bang. yes, The Big Bang Theory TV show. Yeah, so we got uh, Bernadette. <laughs> were you aware of that? Or were you just agreeing like Big Bang in general? Are you that big of a nerd? <laughs> big Bang Theory, baby. Okay. <laughs> That's the Bama in you. <laughs> so then. Classic. Yeah, you have uh, the S's, the supportive, and those are the nurturing, the people who are looking to make sure that there's harmony, everybody is getting along, and they're very conflict-averse. And that would be Leonard. Leonard is who keeps the crew together, and he is, you know, he avoids conflict as much as possible, and, you know, we see all that play out. And then the C, which is conscientious, is, or compliant, that would be Sheldon. So Sheldon is the... Everything has to be right, data, 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 everything, all the I's are crossed, the T's are dotted, and everything has to go through that filter. And they all have fears and desires, they have needs. And each of them, when you understand that, then you can help meet them where they're at to communicate more effectively. So maybe that's what we'll do is take the eight patterns and do a disk correlation just to help people understand because when people have it helps people like to your point like okay if i understand disc i can use another set of language to understand the some of the other subtleties or, or depth of uh, another sort of style of and also the enneagram i don't know if you guys know the enneagram but some of the enneagram also lines up with that as well but we are i'm a big personality nerd like I've, i love tests that's why i created the personality test because i'm obsessed i'm obsessed with myers-briggs enneagram Disc is the only one I'm not obsessed with, probably because you are the expert at that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, Doug's got that covered. I'm like, just tell everybody. I need to really simplify, right? So there's only four pieces, so it allows me to move fast, right? I'm a deep personality type, so I want it right to the point. Okay, they're obviously an I. Let's move forward with the conversation, yeah. right? So if it gets too complicated for me, I'll just throw it to the side and be like, let's wing it, right? But for right. you to be able to diagnose somebody's you know, trauma bonds and things like that, you, obviously you need to go deeper than disc, right? But disc has its purpose. It's a simpler but, version. But, but think about this. Think about dying. Think about putting our finger on decades of trauma and only eight patterns. That's pretty dialed down, man. That's pretty remarkable. I know whenever you called me out on it, it felt really freaking dialed down. I'll say that. Yeah, I think you're an eight on the Enneagram. Yeah, I think that's where we uh, came out on it. Back whenever yeah. we did the test. 
spent a little time. Oh, did you do? You took the test. He took the enneagram test. Did, yeah. 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 It was pretty intriguing. Yeah, and it's a, a lot of the same. It's. I mean, they're all correlating to the same person. Like they are an accurate test, whether it's enneagram or the disc or whatnot. It's just how many metrics I guess fold into it to give you an isolated decision. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you just use what works for you. Right. Like if you're not, what's great about having all these different assessments and ways to do some measurement is go, okay, I just, I'm ready to go deeper. I want to find another way to looking at it. It's like having different brushes in your, you know, in, with your artistry or different tools in your toolkit. They're all valuable. They all have their place. And some people can take one tool and make something amazing and other people need all the other stuff. <laughs> face was out of the frame. Oh, sorry. Was... What did you just do? All right, Doug, it means that she pulled your face back in. I got to know, uh, is there some sort of, like, trick or nuance to the orange glasses? Like, do I need to wear orange glasses from now on? Well, they're, they're blue. Yeah, he sees you're naked when yeah. he puts them on. Yeah, yeah, he can see you naked. Too. I'm charging, so. by the way. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're blue light blockers, so. Oh, cool. Okay. Keeping right. healthy. And they look cool. I love it. Yeah, if anybody gets to see a picture of Doug with one of his custom suits on, it's amazing what all the bedazzle he puts on those things. It's pretty epic. But as well, so with utilizing these personality types and as well as understanding what traumas people have gone through, I know Doug and I presume Heidi as well are both y'all exceptionally strong networkers in the business field. Like, I don't know how you have built the network that you have. I just know if I say a dollar amount, Doug knows somebody with it. If I say somebody inside a certain industry, Doug knows somebody with it. Like, how did you accomplish that? And did the personality types and understanding people assist you in that journey? Yes and yes. So the original, I just, I love people. So I just find people fascinating and I, I love to find ways to connect people. So, and back in the, when I first got into the music industry and, and it was, you know, Tony Robbins was uh, my first exposure to personal development and I applied that. One of the things he said that resonated with me is that, you know, modeling, like you want to find someone who has the results that you're looking for, hang out with them. That's how I became so successful in the music industry. I aligned with the people who are getting the best results. And then I connected with them, learned from them. And then I was always looking to add value. I wanted to bring value to the equation, not to just be a succubus, but like, hey, give me info, give me resources. So what what really happens, and, and it, it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes people don't even know what I do because I'm already like, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, hey, enough about me. Tell me, so how can I support you? What are you doing? What are you looking for? And then I make the connections, which creates this amazing sort of reciprocity. So I'm able to maintain powerful relationships because there is that opportunity to have powerful conversations and bring something to the table. How do you remember that? Like whenever you go get a guy's contact or somebody that you want to be around and they say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. You're able to pull a need out of them. Do you like write that down with their phone number and, and like put a date? Sometimes I'll, I'll make the connection right there. Really? Okay. I'll just be sitting there go, oh, I know somebody. Hold on. And I will, I'll make the connection. Or if I'm at a networking event, this is a nice hack. Ask the person, you know, who's your ideal referral? Who's your ideal contact? And then when you ask that to every person that you meet in a networking event, you're going to find somebody. Oh, do you know Steve? And they'd be like, no, I don't. And then be like, oh, Steve, come here. Come on. You got you to meet Dave. Like this, right? Or if they go, yeah, I know Steve. Yeah, he's a rock star. You get instant credibility either way. 
because it shows that you're listening. It shows that you actually want to add value. And it, it gets to the point where I've had people go, Doug, stop. Like, what do you need? Like, you're always bringing me stuff, but what can I do for you? Yeah. That's amazing. So how do you remember all of these details? Because if I was at a networking event, I would not remember who Steve was. <laughs> well, the first step is to actually care. Jeez. Jeez. I, I'm not saying that to you. I, I mean, in general, the state of genuine curiosity. No, you don't. I don't care. Just to be clear, I suck at networking and I don't care. I don't know Steve. I don't want to know Steve. Just yeah. That's it. So, it, so what I mean by yeah, sorry, I don't mean it. I wasn't meaning it to be derogatory. I, but it's one of those things where if it's important, like you go in with that mindset of yeah. just kind of setting the intention of like, okay, my goal is to meet, you know, have your own people, obviously that you want to attract and meet, and go. I genuinely want to like make it a focus. It's not that you don't care, but it's like to make it a focus. To go, okay, I want to learn about you. And I want to, my goal here tonight to build my network, to add value, to create the exchange. I want to prime the pump with value. I'm going to make it my point. And at first it's a little difficult, right? It's, it, it just becomes a habit. And then one of the things like memorizing names, I mean, hasn't your dad talked to you about the PEG system, right? In NLP, like how you can, I mean, one of the, excuse me, ways I remember people's names is when I meet them and I'll, I'll get their right spelling too. Like if they have a weird name, I'll ask for the spelling. Or even like if someone says their name is Sarah and I'll say, oh, with an H. And then they'll know, oh, wow, okay, yeah, no, yes, no, it's it's not a Sarah with an H or yes, it is. And then I draw their name in lights over their head. And now every time I see them, I see their name and I've articulated, oh, it has the H, it doesn't have the H or what have you. And by putting a little of these little sort of tricks into it and like really wanting to do this and not be thinking what's in it for me, say what's in it for we, then I'm able to keep the the focus on the connecting. And it's fun, like just to enjoy the process. When did you develop the skill or realize that that's what you wanted to continue doing when you network? Because when people go into networking, they don't automatically think, oh, I need to connect with all these people and help them. Well, that or they don't have the skill sets. Like, I knew I was supposed to do that, and I made excuses of why I wasn't going to do that because I was an introvert and decided I can do this on my own, right? Well, so, Well, people that are just getting into entrepreneurship and are going to networking events, they don't realize that that's the goal or that that's the purpose of being there. So how did you develop that knowledge? So I guess part of it was... I'm sure part of my, is part of my being, just the way I always was, but I think being in the entertainment industry, in the music industry, enjoying meeting people and being on the road and, you know, getting people in the studio and having to produce a record, which would be, okay, let's, you know, get the right instruments, let's get the right players, let's great. So there was always an element of infusing different energies and really kind of having a Rolodex of resources to go, ooh, you know, this would be, you know, even to the point of like, I know, make it'll make fun of me how many guitars I've got and all the guitar pedals and all that. And each one had a specific sort of thing, a use. There was something special about that. And that was the way it would be with people. So I think one of the things when I realized when I left the music industry is and started doing the personal development and professional development, it was like making great music only instead of using instruments, it was still using uh, people. 
and helping them create a masterpiece or to the point with the the assessments, all these personality traits is understanding how what people bring to the personalities. How can we be more harmonious? How could we make beautiful music together? Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's going to be, I mean, there's a lot of people who like one of my partners now, he is so extroverted. He is good with talking to everybody. He is going to out network me every single time because that's who he is as a a being. He was always like a popular kid in school. Like he was used to it. Whereas I had to get adapted to being highly uncomfortable speaking to just a couple people at each event and getting a little farther and a little farther until I was like, okay, this is okay to speak to everybody. It's okay to be known and let's connect everybody to do something great, right? Because it takes more than one person. And especially once I started outsourcing and going outside of my state, you know, primary core area, it was a drastic difference. Some of the context I got immediately, like the first time I went out of state, I went onto a cruise, right? So drove to Miami, hopped on a boat, and then I left that boat with access to $1.2 million, which is crazy, right? So it changed my life. So it's something that everybody should be aware of and should make valiant efforts to put themselves out of their comfort zone and go for it, like make those connections. Yeah, and I would just, uh, with a little caveat in there as well, to have people think of it's not direct reciprocity. We're not looking to you know necessarily get something from that person we're speaking with. It's just build a relationship because they may know somebody who has what we're looking for. And that's why we ask in those framework so we could bring something, have, think outside. If I bring something outside of my resource, go, oh, let me bring you to this person. They're going to go, oh, I see. It's not just about what I have. I know somebody. And it creates, again, more of that geometric synergy as opposed to this, hey, I did for you. You do for me. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. What's the rule of thumb? You're six people into the United States away from any contact you need. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. The six degrees of Kevin Bacon. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Am I too young for that? Like, what does that mean? Apparently. (laughs) I haven't heard that either. (laughs) Really? So there was a... There was a game. You know who Kevin Bacon is, right? No. No, they don't know Kevin Bacon. Come on. <laughs> wow. I, th- I thought he was reasonably iconic. Baby, baby, he was in Footloose. Have you ever heard of the movie Footloose? I saw like an old commercial one time. Okay. They've heard of Footloose. They, they know it as a thing that existed at a point in time. Okay. So, you know the term six degrees of separation. That's what you were saying. Yeah. Right? So then someone took the game, took that and gamified it and said six degrees of Kevin Bacon and basically would play a game of Kevin Bacon was in such and such a movie with so and so who's in a movie with so and so and then just sort of exemplified the the theory. Gosh, that yeah. seems like your flavor, Doug. Guys, did you know, I'm just curious if you knew this, there was a time when if you needed to make a phone call while you were driving, you had to pull over and put money in a machine that has a phone that had a cord attached to it. They kept it in a booth called a phone booth. My parents bought me one when I was younger to have in my room. It was pink. So yes, oh. I knew what it was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Heidi back to it. Cause I've got some internal thoughts while we've been diving back into the business world. I'm like, you know, a lot of things I've seen internally in some of my own life and with, you know, close peers, how do you identify the difference between a toxic individual and codependency or if they're the same or how to regulate either or like that's that's pretty deep there I but I wonder that as well like what's considered well, toxic to- to- it is it's all the same there's only so many ways you can draw a square so i guess what you're asking yourself is how toxic is it 
So that's the thing, you know, I mean, so what your scale is your emotional duress. When you're in a relationship with somebody, how do you feel? You know, are you drained every time you're around them? Or do you feel judged? Are you criticized? Are you condemned? Can you be not be right enough? Do you need to be perfect? Who do you have to be to be loved? And who can't you be to be loved? And is that okay with you? So I think the problem is, is that people who grow up in toxicity have a broken barometer. So what we do is we get into relationships with people and we don't realize they're toxic. We're like, doesn't everybody do that? Isn't everybody like this? Isn't everybody a Jekyll and Hyde? Isn't everybody back and forth? Doesn't everybody just ignore you for three days when they're mad at you? You know, and we think toxic behaviors are like dating issues and they're not. They're abusive. So I think and sometimes I think they, they don't know what to do and it's not there. And sometimes people are so used to that they recreate it right? I'm addicted to the chaos. I'm addicted to it. And I, I don't feel love unless it's toxic, you know? So I think just awareness is the first step. And I, I think at the end of the day, and not to overcomplicate it, we just say, is it working for you? Are you feeling as loved as you could? Are you loving as much as you want to? Are you in a relationship that causes you confusion, anxiety, resentment, or pain? There's something wrong in it. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any hope to, because a lot of people are going to want to help the person who has the toxicity because I think we all internally feel it's because of some trauma, right? Something's off and what's causing that. Is there any way they can assist? Well, here's the crazy thing. Like attracts like. All right. So the problem with the codependent, the codependent is attracted to the toxicity because the codependent is also toxic. All right. But they don't recognize it. Okay. So like attracts like, I think you're the problem. You're the messed up one. I was almost going to curse, but I won't. You're the messed up one. You're the problem. Okay. Well, but I'm in this too. And it's a co-addicted relationship. It's a codependent relationship. So we're both just a different flavor of toxic. We're both sides of the same coin. Codependent. You can't be in a codependent relationship with yourself. You're in a codependent relationship with another codependent person. Right. So is there ever a situation where there is a toxic person and then there could be a not toxic person in that relationship? Or is it always like they're both No. So in order for me to participate in a toxic relationship, I have to, let's not use the word toxic anymore. Okay. Let's take that word out. In order for me to be with an unhealthy person, there needs to be a level of unhealthiness in myself as well. And so we think about a hero, we think about Superman, and we think about a wounded person. The wounded person or the, the Lex Luthor, whoever is the villain, needs a hero, but the hero also gets something out of fighting Lex Luthor. He gets to feel powerful. He gets to feel important. Superman needs a villain, right? The evil queen is getting something out of torturing Snow White, but Snow White gets to feel victorious because she kills the queen. You know what I mean? So we're all playing a role in some kind of dysfunctional relationship dance. I have to be unhealthy if I'm in that unhealthy thing, because if I was healthy, I wouldn't be in it. It just may not display the same way. My unhealthiness comes out in a different way. Superman doesn't look like Lex Luthor, but they're both the same codependent. Wow. Okay. So just to tell you the evolution of me, because now I'm like having flashbacks of stuff and trauma and pain or whatever it is i'm like okay, great good you're in good hands if you cry even better let's make this happen come on yeah so so like my first relationship i would say i was highly codependent like to the point of whenever it ended and whatnot it wasn't fully by my degree there my control and i was like to the point of having panic attacks anxiety attacks like really bad off 
to the next relationship I got into very soon after, I was the same way, right? Lex Luthor, that whole scenario where I was trying to fix somebody all the time. And it just kept evolving as I was getting closer to who I am now, which all those instances being able to go back and reflect on helped me to understand who I was and what I was going through. But is that a common journey that you see with people that are improving? And if they're not improving, do they just seem to repeat the cycle over and yeah. over again? So basically, that's your barometer. It's like, oh, I'll meet, I'll meet a different person. It's the same person, different face, right? That's a person who's not progressing on their path. That's a person who's really unhealthy and just goes from one unhealthy thing to the next unhealthy thing, but they don't recognize that they're also unhealthy. So they're waiting for the right person to come along and make them okay. But so if, if they realize, hey, man, I've got an issue here, right? I'm participating in this. I'm the common denominator. Then what they do is they attract a higher quality, a healthier person every time they circle around their own stuff. You know, a healing from trauma isn't like a straight line. Like I'm going to start here in the depths of, you know, despair and I'm going to become an excellent human being and have no problems. It looks like loops. I heal a little bit. Then I loop back around and experience something else that comes up, you know, and then I get in a relationship and I, it triggers me up and I do a little work and I get out of that and I get into a new thing. And then, then I'm in my work and I'm in a good relationship, but in work, I hold myself back. I can't make as much money as I want to. Oh, there's that trauma again. It's just showing up in money now. Okay. Let me work through my money stuff. All right, great. I'm successful now. Now I have kids. Uh Uh-oh, reactivated some trauma. You know, so you're never really there. You just have higher quality problems. We're always a higher quality of a problem, a higher quality of a problem, a higher, keep elevating in my life, but problems never go away. Right. I mean, there would be no fun in the journey if you came out perfect and you didn't have any internal problems or external problems like that. Well, that's a great way to look at life. That probably suits you very well. Other people would say, I'd be happy not to have any problems. You know what I mean? So, hey, (laughs) whatever. People without problems are are people in cemeteries, you know, buried. I know a lot of my clients say to me, I just want it to be my turn to be happy. They're really tired of problems. They're tired of having being affected by other people's stuff. They just want to have their turn. They'd love to have like a happy life without worrying about somebody else all the time or being full of anxiety and stress. Show them that most of it's self-inflicted. Like, are they able to now make efforts to create that scenario? Listen, I have people that have transformed their relationships are in, are in it started as toxic. And I have two healthy individuals that are securely attached, that are happy, that are on their way. I have other people who have left relationships and got into the new thing. That was the thing they always wanted. I have other people that just want to be alone because they're like free for the first time. So everybody gets better, but better is a matter of preference. What is your better? Subjective. Where do you want to go? Yeah. Absolutely. That is amazing. And just to add to that, as I was going through these relationships is just what correlation that brought me back to my past because that's what we were talking about, who I would attract and as well, during those same time frames, I went from an S personality type to a C, now over to a D. So they definitely have some sort of interlocking because I can recognize that, that I was a different person than completely. My personality type has changed, and I was searching different mates and things like that. <laughs> so I love that perspective, and I think that's true. So I always say you don't have to figure out who you are, right? People are always searching to figure out who you are. You have to figure out who you've been and who's not you anymore. Because most of us are not who we really are. We're who we've needed to be. We needed to be a C. We needed to be an S. We needed to be a controller. We needed to be a whatever. But when you strip it all away and you start to excavate your authentic stuff that's buried under all that, 
then you're free to like unleash your true, true authentic self, you know, because I look at my own patterns. I used to be a people pleaser. I don't give a shit now. Sorry. There it goes. There it is. Have it. Now we got to hit so, the button. But I used to, I used to like, that was how I coped in my own family is like, just be quiet, be small, do what you need to do. Don't make too much noise. Don't breathe too loud. You know, like just constrain, constrain. And I, because of that, I developed an eating disorder. You know, I, I was always trying to shrink down, keep myself small. And you can see I've clearly healed. You know, I mean, you've got big hair. I'm pretty loud, right? I'm pretty, yeah, I got big hair, big lots of things, you know? So, all the listeners so miss that. Glasses. Big glasses. We think I was talking about glasses. But yes, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right, hon. I think that when you become more of who you really are, and then you know what the coolest thing is, then you become when you're, because, you know, just, I know this isn't a spiritual thing, but on a, on a spiritual quest, we realize, oh, I don't fit into any of those boxes. And I never did. So the, the end game is just to be all. I am that I am. I'm all of those things. And I can, I'm an integrated human being. Wow. I don't and, have to be in a box anymore. And the word character is based out of the word means to chisel, to chisel away. So when you're building character, you're actually shedding what has prevented you from being your authentic self. Wow. I wish I had a character jawline, but it sure doesn't feel like so. <laughs> Can we turn them up? I don't know how. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Am I not talking loud enough, Heidi? Well, you guys are quiet Please. over here, and I don't know if it's my speaker. volume up all the way. Like, I keep trying to turn you up all day. Oh, I don't goodness. know what that is. Well, yeah. okay, so we went from toxicity versus codependence. Can we go the opposite route and say someone, someone that's in a loving relationship versus not realizing that it's just codependency in their partner scenario? Like their partner is actually just codependent upon them, which could later on cause issues they just don't recognize yet. Not just the partner. Like they said, they're both codependent. They are, yes, but how does either party recognize that whenever it feels to be a loving situation? Yeah. So... Ironically, the path to healing through this is kind of like three stages in any, whether you do it alone or in a partnership or with a therapist or with a coach. So we think about how this originated is I went through a stage of dependence where I was able to get my needs met and I felt safe and everything great happened there, right? In the dependency stage, I could count on you. You were consistent. You know, whoever was taking care of you was always there. And if that goes really well, you move into independence where you have a little more distance from one another and you go through the stage of like, I see you, you see me, we're free to be individuals, we value and appreciate each other's perspectives, we can conflict resolution, we're not enmeshed. And then if that works really well in that independence where it's okay for me to be me and it's okay to be for you, then I move into interdependence, which is a healthy form of codependence. And interdependence is we are we, I am me, and you are you. But if any of those phases are jacked up, I take a pit stop into codependency, which is I pretend, I hustle, I scramble, I, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm withdrawn, I'm all these things. And so how do you get out of that is when you meet somebody, the first thing you do as a couple is you go, can I depend on you? You go back through those phases as an adult. You get into your couplehood and you're like, are you steady? Are you available? Are you consistent? If it is, 
And there's that baseline. Great. Now we can move into independence. Am I free to be me? Are you free to be you? Can we be a strong, independent individuals and go through that? And when we disagree, is it safe? Am I allowed to have a different opinion than you? Am I allowed to state when I don't want to do things and you're going to handle that okay? You know, who are we in conflict? And then if that works well, then we have this interdependent relationship where we are just like yanning and yanging. But if there's a hiccup in any one of those phases, you'll move out in and out of codependency all the time. So you got to look at where you're at in your relationship. Do we have a healthy, you know, are we consistent? Are we stable? Am I emotionally and psychologically available and physically available and financially responsible and psychologically responsible to myself? So, and that boils down to is a trust issue, ultimately trusting the relationship, trusting the process, trusting the trusting space. The individual. Yeah. Because codependency is a trust issue. I mean, it's, I did nothing got right. Not, I can't be who I am. That's not good enough. I'm going to be whoever I need to be because I can't trust the world to be my needs. I can't trust God. I can't trust another human. That's where all that originates. So I think I can speak of our, our journey. It can be very healing. You can come into a relationship very codependent and heal if there's this level of self-awareness. Doug and I came into a codependent relationship. He was a fixer. I was also a fixer and a withholder and a controller. I had multiple personality disorder. Okay. And he was full tilt Superman cape trying to rescue me because when he met me, I was like on the self-destruct cycle of accomplishment, which most withholders do. I was super successful. And then I was a binge drinker at night. I would like self-destruct. I'd like get on top of the world and then pull the rug out from myself. And he, he was like, well, you're all, oh, you're this amazing person, but oh, I can save you. I can come in and rescue you too. So it was like ticking all his boxes. But once I saw him and I was like, well, he's a pretty solid human being. He's probably the most sane, solid person I've ever met in my life. I started to feel safe to go deeper and to let go of my own attachment issues. And then when I started to heal, I put the binge drinking behind me. I started to get into this codependency work. Now he could have very easily gone and found another person to rescue. Captain save a hoe. Okay. He could have said, I need to go save a hoe. and go do my thing. Okay. But he said, well, my value isn't in fixing. My value is just in being, a, you know, myself. So he worked on his codependence too. And then we grew out of this and now together, the fixer part of us still exists. But what do we do? We go save the world together, right? We don't do it in our personal relationships. We have a mission and purpose in life to help people. We get that fix still of wanting to help people, you know, wanting to contribute to people's lives. In this intimate relationship, we're just radically ourselves, yeah. you know, in full acceptance of one another. I feel like hearing your story also helped me and probably is going to help the listeners realize that this is normal and that eventually you're going to get out of it and maybe it's with help or just on your own figuring it out because hearing your story I'm like yeah I definitely was codependent at one point with my first boyfriend and I figured it out with many years of just being by myself and was able to get through that but at the time I thought something was wrong with me I thought I was broken. you know I wrote a book called let me show you this this is how not alone you are I wrote a book called what's wrong with me because this is the primary question people that kind of don't realize what's going on have inside of them. And I love the fact that you went on a personal journey and you figured a lot of, because you're a brilliant girl. 
You're a brilliant woman, right? You can figure out a lot of things. And I did that too for a long time, just try to figure it out on my own. And, you know, but the thing is, is that, and I still struggle with that, but the value of bouncing these ideas and being in an intimate partnership where you can have another human being, whether that's with somebody, nobody's meant to do this work alone, ironically, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Relationship trauma happens in relationship and so does recovery. Relationship recovery happens in relationship, just like relationship trauma. And the, the thing is, is when you have somebody who's been there and can and be with you, it's the iron that sharpens the iron. Somebody who's already been through the fire, who's already, you know, so that's the value in that. And I know I've healed tremendously inside and he's healed tremendously inside because we keep calling each other a little more forward into our more authentic destinies. And wow. th that's where also in any of this work, you know, the depth of your relationship is going to be directly proportionate to the, the depth of your vulnerability. Amen. Your willingness to get that uncomfortable and to challenge yourself and to be willing to kind of have that faith, right? That it's going, that there is the, that space there. I'll give you another example of how these patterns show up. Like Doug is a, well, let's use the Enneagram for any of your listeners who love that test, right? Doug's a seven. And what that means on the Enneagram is he's a pain avoider. He is a distractor. He's the guy that once like has 55,000 guitars. He's got, he's the connector. He knows 5 million people on his phone. He's, but he does that because he's always like outside of himself, right? Like look at, you know, an eight that I am is a bull in a China shop. I see an issue. I want to confront it head on. I'm not pain avoidant. I want to dig in, man. Let's go uncover this. That's the word to truth and justice. And let's do this thing. But when I confront, I come at him like that. And he's like a deer in headlights and he doesn't want to feel pain. So I remember the other day we had a deep soul connection and we went down to soul Valley. And at the end we were standing in Walmart or in the Walmart parking lot. And I looked over at him and I was like, how are you feeling? He was like, uh, yeah, I'm good. You know, it was like shell shocked. You know what I mean? Cause he, he went there with me and I go, I feel so much closer to you. Oh my God. I feel so great. I'm so glad we did that because conflict from my personality makes us closer, right? If we can talk about the real issues and get into the real stuff, you know, but for him, that's like, his the last thing he wants to do. He wants to live in a higher vibration all the time, you know, but some of the, you know, yeah. I'm definitely an eight. Yeah, for sure. I know. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I am. You should take it and then let me know. I can definitely send you guys. There's a, a test you can put in the show notes for people. It's nothing to do with us, but it's Truity. That's the one I found, T-R-U-I-T-Y.com. And they could take like an Enneagram test. It's like 10 minutes. Ooh. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And then you just get the number. And we love uh, Dr. Tom LaHue, L-A-H-U-E, who is an Enneagram expert on YouTube. And he's like the best. He's so good. That is awesome. That is great. We appreciate those contacts. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a deep studier on stuff like this. Like, it's played a huge role in my self-improvement, my business, everything. Like, understanding other people, which means I actually can internalize and understand myself and my own actions. It's played a huge role. So I'm uh, deeply appreciative to Paul Fink and all y'all for getting me involved that direction. I'd never been in, had never been introduced to that type of learning before. Well, I can tell you the disc is like really good. My test that people want to take on HeidiRain.com is if they want to work on their intimate relationships and work on themselves. But if you want to understand other people, 
The Enneagram is one of the best ways to know somebody's number. When you're sitting with them, you know exactly. You can tell by what they're saying to you. We are certified Enneagram coaches. So we're able to like do that work as well because that test is the most accurate I've ever found with like, oh, you're a two. Here's what I know exactly. Not to manipulate. I know it's an eight can sound like I'm going to use that information to get what I want from you. And that's an eight personality pattern, you know, but Really, it helps you kind of get inside the mind of another person like this. It's like your superpower. You can just get in there and figure it out. So the Enneagram is a great tool. And we use that in our relationship coaching as well. It's the most compassionate thing to do, actually. It's not manipulative because it's really understanding where they're coming from and and not trying to. That's good. It's true. Wow, Doug. It's true, baby. Nice. Uh, Yeah, and I guess with all this... If anybody's considering you know, talking to Heidi whatnot, I definitely would because with all entrepreneur or d- different journeys with self-improvement, things like that, I've seen either way you're paying for it, whether you're paying for a coach or paying in ignorance because you either got to have ignorance and time or you pay a little money in expedite time because that's what you're paying for is to learn faster. So one way or another, whether you think you're paying for it or not, you're going to. Right, just you're going to pay you either way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in business, I think it's helped me the most with the Enneagram because as an eight, I just want people to just, I can be in a meeting and people are, I'm like, get to the point, man. What are we doing? We're beating around this bush. We're driving 500 miles around the country road. What do you need to say? You know, I get so frustrated, but then I realize, oh my gosh, I'm talking to a two who just wants to like, make sure everybody has coffee and a donut and everybody's like super happy and comfortable and wants to hear what your kids are doing or a five who's like, doesn't want to be there at all. And they're in their notebook and how, you know, what they're going through or a six that's worried about what we're going to be talking about in the meeting, you know? And so like, you know, all these things and it's like, it just makes you a better leader. It makes you a better employee. It just makes you better as an entrepreneur. You know, I mean, I think the key to surviving in life is to, is patterns. I really do. I think when you understand what patterns somebody's running, you're in like Flint. So it's pattern and communication with and through them. Yes. And communicating through their pattern. Yeah. If I know that you're seven, I'm not going to talk to you like I'm talking to another eight where we would get off on just like, yeah, you, yeah, go. You know what I mean? So I it's, know. It's so it's same, I mean, the same way we talk about using disc. It's just a deeper understanding, much, deeper. much, you know, with more nuance, more. So the best way to describe it as well is, you know, someone you could look at them and go, oh, are you a, a DC or a DI? Right. So and there's those different flexibilities. So imagine if in between those, there was more clarity into where they really are and how to you know meet them. Yeah, that makes sense. Because as she's describing a two and all that, I'm like, oh, they're a C, they're a S, you know, all, all the same pieces. Mm-hmm. Right. Really, mm-hmm. there's eight factors when you look at this thing because you can fall in between. So, right. That's super interesting how they coincide. Oh, I love that. Isn't stuff. it cool? It is yeah. super cool. Well, you got anything else? I'm I've got a lot of information here. Now I got a new YouTube channels to follow. I gotta go to Hide Side <laughs> again. Like we just restarted it back into this again. <laughs> Where can everyone find you guys? I think for the free test, since that's what we talked about right now, they can go to HeidiRain.com and just H-E-I-D-I-R-A-I-N.com and just take that free assessment. That would be a great place to start. And then for the free resources, they can take the Enneagram test on that Truity site. And so just starting there, just like with the the insight into their own patterns would be a really cool place to begin. And couples, like their minds are blown when they're like, oh my God, it's just the, it is the most loving, compassionate thing you can do is to speak to somebody, not in their love language, but in their pattern language. Like who are they? Yeah. 
You know, I mean, that's much deeper than a love language. Well, and you'd use a, a cool analogy. It's like, you know, grabbing a tool, right? The old saying, if all you have is a hammer, everything's got to be a nail, right? So it's understanding, oh, okay. Eights can get me... that. Eights are like, I am a hammer. I'm yeah. Thor. <laughs> but they're like. And the seven's like, look at this amazing toolkit. Look at all these. Like, uh... yeah, the seven's like, oh, is this, what is this? Oh, look, here's a school. Yeah, I, got I mean, for sure. Well, we love you guys. We're happy to see you today. We miss you. It's good to see your faces. Yeah, hopefully we all get to link up again soon. And Doug, I think I'm starting to figure this thing out. Do you have a need, sir? What can I help you with? <laughs> so, well, I mean, obviously this has been a great conversation. And the other side of what I do is like doing breakthroughs, doing, you know, like creating ways for people to connect even more deeply through experience. So... I love, you know, my biggest passion when it comes to those types of experiences is getting groups together. So if it's a corporate thing, it's, you know, kind of the, the other thing I do is doing corporate training, corporate speaking, doing fire walks, glass walks, board breaks, hour breaks to create an experience where people come together and they leave with new distinctions because they experienced it, not just intellectualized it because that to me is where it's, I guess it's the performer part of me where it's like, I, when I saw Tony Robbins the first time, it's like, Oh, I get it. Entertained and educated. And in the past I would just entertain, you know, the music was that, but man, if people can leave with an experience that was like, Oh my gosh. And go, wow, I, I just learned something new about myself, about the, my company, about my partner, you know, what, whatever it is. I mean, we incorporate them in our experiences as well. I mean, can you imagine the experience that a, a couple could have walking over broken glass together or, you know, like holding the arrow as someone walks into it, the trust to, to have to, you know, experience that, right? It's a powerful way to have a visceral aha moment. I think it's essential. It, there's a huge difference between saying, oh, yeah, I know how business works and I could do it versus actually living through it and experiencing it. It's two yeah. different ball games, and you'll be a different person whenever you experience it. Whereas if you say, oh, yeah, I know how, I can see how it works, you never change. You never learn anything from it. You'll be in the same state three years later. Because you have run the same pattern that you've always ran, which is exactly. doing it in your head, running the same filters. Yep, that's it. That is a beautiful thing, Doug. I appreciate that. And uh, we're probably going to take you up on that to help some of our team as well, internal team here in Zabama. So we'll get you out here to the muddy waters as well soon. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I, I say, I don't know if that's a state I've been to. I think that may be one of the ones I have not Why been to. Why does everybody steer away from this place? Jeez. What have you guys heard? Because you're here. Uh, well, <laughs> don't do that. That's West Virginia. That's where I'm from. I'm from West Virginia. Okay, I'm not Appalachia. I mean, come on. Well, well Alabama. everyone is. Uh... I want to go to Alabama. I'll come with them. Yeah. I'll just hang out with you guys. All right. I'll cheer on the arrows. Great. I'll come see you. We'll hang out. We'll do something fun. We'll go to spa day. All Let right. these boys break arrows. It'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Love to you guys. Love see you soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, Thank you for listening, everyone. That was really emotional. Oh, I am... For some of us, for the, the sevens and everyone else, the eights are okay. If you know me, you know I cry to everything. So I'm surprised it took nine episodes for me to finally cry. Oh, no, wait. I think it's ten. I think we're on the tenth episode. Anyway, if you liked this episode, please comment and 
subscribe and also go to our YouTube and like, comment, and subscribe as well. It'll help us so much. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Appreciate you. Hope you learned something. If not, make use of it. Jeez. Bye, guys. See ya.